Hey, this is Latif Mikado, and you're listening to the Good Night Freestyle Podcast, where I take some time each night to try and reflect on the freestyle scene, where it is, where it's going, and try to figure out how to sustain it, not just for future generations to enjoy, but also to benefit. So sit back, relax, and let's talk some freestyle. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Latif, and welcome to the Good Night Freestyle Podcast. And this is episode 338, coming to you live from Monroe, North Carolina. Uh, it is uh, November 3rd. I had the date because I had to write the date down for something. I usually don't have the date, but yeah, November 3rd. It's a Thursday evening. Uh, it's cold out here, man, but I went into the office and I, I told Angel, I said, you know what? I'm going to do the podcast inside because it's a little cold out. And she goes, oh, since when do you say it's cold? I said, yeah, it's not that it's my body's cold. I was a little concerned about breathing in cold air. I don't want to get sick. I don't want to catch any colds. I just, I have a lot to do. And it's not about I have to go anywhere because I don't have to go anywhere to the end of the year, the end of the month. But I didn't want to get sick. I just, I, I need every day <laughs> that I'm available. I need, I need to be uh, up and about. So, but, uh. I went into the office and I was going to begin and all of a sudden I got real hot and I thought about it. I looked around I was like, ah, oh, man, I kind of like being outside, man. I like the freedom of walking up and down my driveway while I'm talking to you guys. And uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so I'm outside anyway. So I got sick. I just I'm bundled up, though. I have my hoodie. I look crazy. I look like if you came on my block. And you saw me from a distance, you're, you're probably closed uh, across the street. Yeah. I got my crazy ass hair. I got this long ass beard. I have a hoodie on. I have a sweatshirt on. I got some sweatpants on. And then I got flip flops on. <laughs> but, uh, but hey, I'm coming at you. That's, that's the beauty about the podcast is that. I could look crazy and you guys will probably still listen to me, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, <coughs> I probably have to take some pictures of this so that way you guys can see what I'm talking about. <laughs> Posted on the, the good night freestyle podcast, um, Facebook page, which I have to update. So a lot of times people go on that page and they think I kind of stopped. I never stopped. You guys know everybody who's listening to me, been following along, knows I have not stopped. We've we're episode 338. We're shooting for 365 one whole year, and then we start again. I will not be going back to episode. I will not do season two, episode one. I will not do that. These episodes are just going to keep going. So after 365, we'll be 366, and um, we'll be rolling it that way. Um, uh. I just think it's a little more impressive, and uh, I just think when people see that, even if they see season two, you know, episode two, um, I think they'll look at it as less content. I want to make sure I have enough content. I want to, I want to talk. I want to, you know, I want people to come on, listen to one of the podcasts, like it. Hopefully, they they get one of the ones that came out okay. And then they binge the rest of my stuff. Now, it does seem like that does happen because I can look at the numbers and 
I don't go through all the platforms. I really only look at the numbers. I think my biggest listenership is on Spotify. I only check the people on Anchor. And that's only like a handful. It's not a lot. But I know that it's a small percentage of Spotify and the other ones. So if I get five people on Anchor, then... Uh, then I know I probably got 15 people on Spotify and then, you know, on the other ones, uh, a few more. So, um, yeah, my listenership isn't incredibly big right now, but you know what? That's, that's pretty typical with podcasts. So I learned the key is consistency. I, I mean, I don't blame, I mean, who wants to sit around listening to somebody chip jab freaking every single day, you know, there has to be something in a value in it. And that's what I try to do. I'm trying to bring some sort of value. I don't want to, this is, I don't want you guys just basically reading my personal diary. That's not what I'm trying to, to do here. I'm a, I'm a dude who I've had those ups and downs in my life. Like many of you too. I'm not the only one. The only difference between me and you is I have a podcast. But I've been through the ups and downs. I've had the doubters. I've always been a huge dreamer. I've always pushed for my dreams. I always lived in this sort of fantasy land. You know, um, I, I, you know I, I, a lot of odds were against me. You know, I didn't have a father in the house. My mother was a single mother who had to work. Um, you know, I grew up in, I went from one rough neighborhood to one dangerous neighborhood. Um, I got, I got, I was easily hooked. Um, I wasn't a big dude. I'm not a small dude, but I'm, I wasn't back then. I wasn't a big dude. I was a skinny dude, and I, I'm here th- being thrown through the prison system. So there's a lot of ups and downs. A lot of things that had to that I had to come out <clears throat> and and figure it out because my world and my prison life was a revolving door. I would come in and come out, come in and come out. I would, you know, and and it was just actually the other way around. I would come out and go in, and come out and go in. Um, in fact, the, the last time that I left, I remember my last uh, prison was Camp Facilia. No, I'm sorry, not Camp Facilia. It was uh, Collins, upstate New York. And I remember we were eating in the kitchen. We had like a little kitchenette in, in our dorm. And um, I had a really cool dorm. I knew everybody there. I, I mean, I was there for a long time. So um, I was one of the seniors there. I was one of the seniors. However, I was one of the youngest. I was the youngest senior. Um, but I had a lot of respect and I gave a lot of respect, but I remember everybody, you know, messing with me. Yo, you out, you, you out tomorrow. Oh my God. You know, and that's a sentence hall. There's nobody there doing life. So you could play like that. People are cool with it. Like, you know, you go to a place where people are being, are serving life. You don't want to tell them you're leaving tomorrow. <laughs> you don't want to do that. You know, um, cause they won't think twice. Of stabbing you or getting you into some shit that will make you stay a little longer or make your exit really a hard one. Um, but in these these places, everybody was already sentenced and it's a medium joint. So nobody was really doing more than like seven years. Um, I know it sounds like a lot, but when you in a place that has people doing 20, 30, 40, 60, 100 years, then you know that seven years is short. Um, but it's easy, I, you know... Um, we were inside the little kitchenette, and we we're making some food, and we we're talking. And they had these these brothers sitting at the table. They were a lot older than me. These guys had to be at least ten years older than me. And they're like, "Yo!" So they're messing with me. You out? Yeah. Oh my! God. I was like, "Yeah." And they looked at me, and they knew something was up. They were like, "Yo, what's up? 
what's wrong with you, man? You freaking leaving? Are you kidding me? Why are you? I said, man. I ne- yo, I- I'll say I never forget this. I'm sitting. I'm saying this, sitting at the table. I looked at them. I said, man. I'm scared to come out. They're like, what? Like nobody's ever stayed. I've never heard anybody say that. I'm sure they didn't either. Like, what you talking about? You, what's going on? Like, why? Why are you scared? What? I said, well, last few times that I was in this situation where I was getting out, I came right back in, like within a week. That's how bad it was. Within a week, I was back. The drugs took over. The drugs did not, like, it was like the drugs were standing outside my door, outside that prison. And the minute I stepped out, I got those feelings. The freaking feelings I was able to put away for over a year. This is the last couple bids. You know, those little feelings that I was able to kind of like, they didn't even bother me when I was locked up. I figured I was over it. The minute I walked out that door, those freaking butterflies started. I said, oh no. Now, now at this point, I was already up for just about, yeah, three years. Three years, 36 months, right? And, um... And I remember telling them that. I was like, I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm scared. I'm, I'm scared I'm going to end up back in and or or dead because every time I go out, it's worse. I'm worse than I was the, the, the time before. And this is very typical. This isn't just me, people. This is a lot of people this happens to, you know, especially when it comes to drugs. That's why you get a lot of people that OD because what happens is this. If they're injecting drugs, if if they're doing dope, they're shooting up dope, and they have it at, let's say, a certain certain amount, right? And that's their amount. And it's a pretty decent-sized amount. They're used to it. Their body's used to it because they built themselves up to that because that's what addiction does. You know, uh, two cc's don't work anymore. You need three cc's, and you got to keep building up until... What happens is you're at, you know, whatever... Seven cc's. I'm, I'm throwing, I don't do dope, so I don't know the measurements, right? But I'm giving you an example. And you're shooting this, shooting this up, right? Then you come out and you, you go away and you, you're off this drug for a couple of years. Haven't touched it. It's totally out of your system. You come out, the addiction, boom, punches you in the stomach. Right away, you have the cravings. And it's like you don't want pizza, and then also you walk by a pizzeria, and you're like, I got to have a slice. It's like that. It really is. But what happens is, instead of them, see, they don't remember that when they first started doing dope, because now their body is at that level one stage. And instead of them, you know, since they, they can't remember the fact that when they first started doing this dope, they were at one cc's. They only remember that when they left, their last time, they were at seven cc's. So when they sit there and they're going to shoot up and they load that syringe, they bring it all the way up to seven cc's. They're not even thinking about, yo, <laughs> my body can't handle this. They're not thinking about that. And they, they punch that in and, and that's it. They're gone. They die. Now, I wasn't doing dope. I was doing a lot of coke. I was smoking crack. I didn't like weed. I might smoke, I might have smoked some dust. I would take mescaline, black beauties, speed, uh, 
Um, that's was that the extent? That's pretty much the extent. I'm sure there was some, there was some other shit that I took, and I don't, I just don't remember. You know, um, yo, I even went as far as freaking sniffing some Ajax. You guys remember watching the Warriors when they sniffed the Ajax? I really thought that shit worked. And one time, I was fiending for some coke, and I couldn't get any. I was freaking, sm- I sniffed some Ajax with a straw. How crazy is that? Like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> and for anybody who considers doing that, let me tell you right now, that shit doesn't do anything. That's just going to make you sneeze. It's going to mess up the inside of your nose. You're going to want to clean it out. And then when you try to put water in it, it's going to start to bubble up. <laughs> it's going to go down your throat. So don't do the Ajax and don't do Comet. <laughs> don't do Fabio, Fabuloso. Don't do <laughs> Tide. Don't do any of those, <laughs> you know? They don't work. That's a make-believe. Anyway, so. But um, but the guys were telling me, they were like, nah, man. They said, man, you don't have to worry about that, bro. You good, man. You good. You know, and I went to him and the older guys, and but I heard that before. I heard that before. And and I, I was so in tune my spirituality had really, really come up to another level. I had become Muslim in prison at about well, 18 years old. And a lot of scripture and a lot of just really understanding life and looking at things differently. Understanding the role of the devil and knowing that he's there to tempt you. He's there to do this. And there's going to be ways. And you're going to have those temptations. And they put it this way. When I wasn't getting high, I found more drugs on the floor than ever in my life. Now, what the hell is that about? When I was getting high, I would walk the street for hours with my eyes wide open, scared of blink, looking down at the ground, and I won't find shit. For hours, my eyes, I would be picking up every little piece of paper I see on the floor thinking it's something, and it's nothing. Then all of a sudden, come out, I'm clean. I don't want any kind of temptation. I have no intentions on getting high. Nothing. Everywhere I walk, I'm finding drugs on the floor. I'm finding bags of cocaine. I'm finding freaking crack. I'm finding bazooka. Those from Jackson Heights, Queens in the 80s know what bazooka is. I'm finding this stuff everywhere. I'm finding money on the floor. Now, that wasn't bad. I found money. I never found money while I was getting high. Um, I used to have dudes that came up to me, and they had all the drugs, and they used to tell me, yo, man, you got a pipe. You got a pipe. Like, they would get me high if I had a pipe. Because they didn't have a pipe. And they wanted to get high. And, yo, I was like, yo, people in no way ever come to me and ask me if I had a pipe. <laughs> I always did. <laughs> Nobody ever asked me. And um, so it was, it was scary. And then when the time came, I remember I had been already shipped down to, uh, to work release. And I don't know, I did a couple months there And I remember they woke me up real early in the morning And they brought me downstairs and they were releasing me And they put me in this, this shit was like Now this was a cage, now I've been in cells I've been in about 100 cells in my life This wasn't a, ca- a, a cell, this was a cage it was like, This was like a cage that you bought You know, over at the freaking tractor, tractor uh, depot Where, where they, you have your dogs, like a kennel and they put us, it was in the middle of a gymnasium in this building. 
and the cage was there. They put us inside this cage. It was big. We were able to stand up, but it was covered, the whole thing. And they put me and this other guy in there. Never met this guy before. I remember we were going to be there for a while, so of course I sat on the floor. I laid on the floor, took my jacket, my bag, I put it under my head, and he came in, and the dude was like super-duper friendly. But I didn't like his vibe. Like, to me at this point, it seemed like the devil now didn't even wait until I got outside. It's like the devil knew, now nah, I can't let this dude even get out. Like, I have to get him now. I can't wait till he gets out. And I swear, this guy that he put in this cage with me was already talking a lot of criminal shit. And he was talking a lot about drugs. He was talking about where he could get some money. He was talking about the money he already has. He was talking about how he was fiending doing this and he couldn't wait to get out. And first thing he was going to do was going to get high. I couldn't believe that I was put in this cell within this cage with this dude. I was like, yo, like, I started to pray. I was like, and, you know, I'm trying to be polite, so I'm having a light conversation. Because, you know, deep down in the same time, I'm happy. I'm getting out, man, after three years. I'm getting out. And I remember they, um, they processed me to get out first. And when they took me out of the cage, the dude already knew my name. He said, yo, man, La, Latif, hey, yo, wait for me outside, bro. Just like, wait right outside. I'm, I'm right behind you. I said, yeah, all right. All right. <laughs> when I got out, when they finally let me out, it was the weirdest thing. It was like I kept turning back. I kept thinking that they made a mistake and they're going to grab me and bring me back in. It was the, the weirdest, weirdest feeling to... To be incarcerated for so long and then all of a sudden a gate is open and you're free. It's almost like a bird. You ever you have a bird in confinement forever, then suddenly you open the cage and the bird just freaking doesn't care. And the bird just dashes out of his his cage and slams into your freaking glass window because he thought that was an exit and he dies. You ever seen that happen? Because I did. It happened to a bird that I had. But that's how I felt. I got out. Now, they gave me money for the train. The train was literally across the street. I lived about several miles away. I, for two reasons, did not want to take the train. Number one, I knew that dude was heading to the train. And I didn't want to run into him in the train for nothing. Second of all, I was so, how do I say it, so freaking turned up that there was no way in the world I would have sat still in that train. I wanted to walk, and that's what I did. This was on Northern uh, Queens Boulevard, because my work release was Queens, Queens, uh, Queensboro uh, Correctional Facility which was over there by the Swing Line Stapler uh, factory. Anybody who's from uh, that Long Island City area. Uh, is that Long Island City, Queensbridge? I forgot where the hell that's at. And um, I just walked and almost like didn't even walk. I kind of I kind of skipped. Now that I think about it, I, I, I did. 
I didn't run because, you know, last thing you want to do is be running. You know, running doesn't look good, man, for a young dude like me, especially just coming out of prison. Last thing you want to do is, is run. So you don't run. And then walking fast really didn't work. I have short legs. Walking fast really didn't work. So what's the next best thing? I skipped. I skipped my ass home all the way from Queensboro all the way down to Jackson Heights, Queens. And I ain't never get high again. All right, guys, listen, that's it for tonight. I appreciate you tuning in. What made me talk about that, I don't know, but I'm glad I did. These are things that I don't think much about in in that much detail. Like, they're there. Uh, what I love about the podcast, it allows me to, to go into detail. I believe it's therapeutic, and I hope maybe it's therapeutic for somebody. Maybe there's something in there that, that, that can touch somebody. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe it not. Maybe it won't touch anybody. I don't know. You know? But, uh, you know, I kind of hope that, you know, God puts the stuff in me to say for for a reason. I don't know what it is, but I just go with the flow. But anyway, listen, be cool. I appreciate you guys very much. Um, Until tomorrow. Good night, Freestyle. Or if I die before I wake, I hope to make it to the break.